For months, opposition leader Peter Dutton has been calling for more detail around how a voice to parliament would work. Next week, he'll have the chance to put his questions to the people who may have the answers. Peter Dutton has accepted an offer to meet with the government's hand-picked referendum working group. Samantha Maiden is the national political editor for news.com.au and Dan Borsher joins us today as well, who's the ABC's voice to parliament and referendum correspondent. Welcome to both of you. Good morning. morning. Starting with you, Dan, how significant is that meeting and will Peter Dutton get the answers that he's after? I think that's the million dollar question, isn't it, Patricia? In terms of the significance, I think it's incredibly significant that the opposition leader would accept that invitation and uh, it'll be an opportunity for him to ask those questions. It's also a responsibility for him then to listen to what comes from those Indigenous leaders that have been working on the front lines of developing this. Whether or not, though, those 15 questions that he originally put in that letter to the Prime Minister can all be answered and, in fact, he gets the type of quote-unquote detail that he's after... I'm not sure if that's the the level or the granular level of detail that will, will be discussed in that meeting or if, in fact, that can be even achieved at this point in the conversation. Sam, we've seen some shifts from the coalition this week or some signals, I think is probably a better word. Julian Lisa, who has always been a strong backer of The Voice, has warned his support is you know, on the edge, she's is in at risk if the government doesn't provide uh, more details. So is it up to Anthony Albanese to give that information? Like, where is this at? Well, look, I mean, I think that the bottom line is I'm not completely convinced that this meeting is terribly significant or that it's going to necessarily change Peter Dutton's mind. I mean, it's part of a process. I'm not suggesting for a minute that he wouldn't enter into it in a respectful way, but I'm also not convinced that he's terribly enthusiastic about backing this in. And, you know, if you asked me six months ago, I probably assumed that the Liberal Party would uh, come to some sort of conscience vote position. Um, But now I'm not even sure if that's going to happen. Like, it feels like they're almost leaning more to the no and then allowing um, people who are moderates or whatever to not face consequences, perhaps, if they want to vote another way. Um, You know, look, I think that, yes, he wants answers, but I'm not convinced that uh, he's terribly interested in, you know, I, I just, well, you know you, what I'm saying no, here. Let's, like I, no, I, let's yeah. say it though, clearly. Are you saying that you give him a zillion answers, right, all the answers, and that nothing would satisfy him? I just think he's looking for problems possibly more than solutions. Um, and, and to be fair to Peter Dutton, uh, you know, I think that it has really muddied the waters that now, and, you know, we'll obviously discuss this, you've got a situation where you have these mass protests from Indigenous communities on Australia Day saying that we should vote no. Now, once you have, um, now on one level, that's a, you know, uh, newsflash, not all Indigenous people think the same story, right? Mm. But on another level, it's it's more powerful than that, right? Like, I mean, if, if that community appears to be divided, then you have a problem where people like Peter Dutton, it's more open for him to say, well, come on, like, that. this is not, there's not some sort of um, agreement even within the Indigenous community that this is the way forward. Mm. Well, yeah, on those protests, I mean, you know, they might be big and, but a lot of the people there were, were non-Indigenous it's clear, as well, right? Sure. <laughs> That's the thing. Dan, Green Senator Lydia Thorpe says she, she won't vote yes on The Voice unless it guarantees First Nations sovereignty is not ceded. Regardless of the Greens' final position, are there any signs this would change? I mean, what does she want the the actual referendum question to, to state that sovereignty isn't ceded? I mean, that's unlikely, isn't it? 
Well, it would seem incredibly unlikely that we're going to go anywhere near that. It seems to me that certainly in some of the comments that I've seen from Lydia Thorpe that she wants there to be a conversation about not only a treaty, but she also said that there should be 10 independent black seats in the parliament and that, quote, we won't uh, we want real power. We won't settle for anything less. So it seems as though the Greens, as well, are hurtling for a real question on on which way they're going to go for this, and in fact whether there will be multiple choices within the Greens. I just want to pick up on one of the points that Sam made, and I think you're absolutely right that there's that it's, it seems the Liberals are hurtling towards a different position. But on that question about whether there needs to be uniformity within the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander community, that's often used as a wedge as well. And, and I wonder if we would have the same position, if it was any other topic, if we're talking about agriculture, it, there's not an expectation that there needs to be uh, all people on board. And, and I, I think you're probably spot sure, on. Sure, but we're not talking used, about agriculture. No, I'm... No, yeah. I'm, I appreciate that. But what I'm saying is that it's often used as a way to pit Aboriginal people against each other to say that, oh, well, look, there's division. Well, of course, there's going to be division in any conversation. But I think you're right that that will be used and, and latched on upon by the opposition leader as we've already started to see that happen. Sam, the reason why Sam, I think it's different to agriculture, though, right, is that this is a baseline question on some level, right, about how white Australia makes amends for the past, right? So it is, it is Australia coming to grips with its dark history, right? Now, if the Indigenous community is divided over whether this is an appropriate way to move forward, um, I think that that is a significant problem and also just Picking up with, you know, in terms of what Lydia Thorpe is saying, absolutely, Patricia, she's not saying that she would be happy with some sort of reference to sovereignty never being succeeded, which is never going to happen anyway in the in the wording, right? Because Anthony Albanese's put the wording out there. She's talking about, uh, you know, a treaty. She's talking about um, a sort of New Zealand system of Indigenous seats. You know, she's talking about a whole bunch of other stuff. Yeah, but at the same time, Dan, I mean, yes, she is talking about all those things, but she talks about the sort of colonizers constitution. It seems to me that that still it's the if you're going to use that language, it's still the colonizers framework she's calling for changes to, right? Yeah, exactly, because if by, by that rationale, everything that flowed from that is a, a part of the, the colonisers' rationale. And, and in fact, there was someone from uh, one of the Yes campaigns that tweeted last night asking if, in fact, when uh, Lydia Thorpe took that oath in the Senate, whether that was ceding her own sovereignty. So there is a whole other conversation that's flowing off on this based on the comments that she made yesterday and mm. and has made in recent weeks as well. So Sam, yes, splits on the left and the right. This is obviously becoming, it looks messy, that's for sure. Adam Bant, now he's, he's officially on leave, I understand, but I think he's coming back from that leave. How has he handled all of this? What is this deal with Lydia Thorpe? Like what's going on here? <laughs> Welcome back, Adam Bant. What a lovely year you're going to have. It's going to be delightful. Uh, look, I mean, I don't know. Like, it just sounds like they want to vote yes, doesn't it? And Lydia wants to vote no. And so, you know, they're coming to some sort of agreement around that. I mean, like, I don't get the impression that they're going to agree with her, right? Like, um, but, yeah, like, I mean, it's pretty tricky. Um, but Lydia does make life interesting. 
Uh, well, if, 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 if uh, you know, that sort of stuff is interesting. Um, Dan, how has Australia Day framed discussions then around The Voice? Do, do you think that it has done damage to The Voice campaign? Because today, and we're going to speak to her actually after the news, Pat Anderson joins us. They commissioned polling. Um, it, you know, it's a small sample group. It's about 300 Aboriginal people. But what they find is that there is still strong support for Voice uh, I think that they're trying to make the counterpoint, aren't they, Dan, that, that actually, you know, maybe you're hearing a loud minority on the streets. That certainly seems to be what they're indicating with, with this polling. And, and they'll be saying that this actually shows a more unified position and on this particular question of voice, notwithstanding that there are a whole lot of other issues that are swirling around here about how Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are seen in the community, what the responses are when there are issues that flare up and, and the like. I think that to, to your question around the, the impact of Australia Day, I think the the way those rallies unfolded showed a whole lot of different perspectives, but it also, uh, in some sense, can help to muddy the waters and to uh, introduce either doubt or to say, well, actually, is this the priority right now? Not necessarily that there's a divide, but is this the most important thing right now? And I, I suspect that that was one of the things that some of those organising the rallies really wanted to to do was to say, well, hold on. Perhaps the voice is not our priority. It's about sovereignty and it's about deaths in custody and it's about actually completing those recommendations from the Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody that haven't been completed more than 30 years later. Hey, now, um, this obviously is going to be this year's dominant issue, but there's been another sort of issue that's emerged this week. And just still with you, Dan, uh, heading to Central Australia, the Federal and the Northern Territory governments have temporarily restricted alcohol consumption in Alice Springs. The Minister for Indigenous Australians, Linda Burney, told me that the voice to Parliament could have prevented the crisis. Is it clear how that's the case? Well, I think in terms of the alcohol restrictions, that's dealing with the symptom, not the cause. And that buys the authorities time and space to be able to start working through the solutions that the community for decades have, have been saying this is what needs to happen. In fact, just as early as mid last year, there were letters from different authorities in Central Australia, Aboriginal authorities, to the Minister and to uh, the government agencies in both the Northern Territory and the Commonwealth saying this is what needs to happen. There is a, a tipping point coming because of all of the, these other factors, people coming into Alice Springs and Central Australia from right around that region, it not going back for whatever reason, some of which, of course, includes the weather that's cut people off from community. And then we've got to this point where the, the, the headlines, and some of them incredibly alarmist, are that about being at crisis point, where, whereas actually there's, in a lot of instances, these are things that have been happen, happening in a cyclical nature, uh, but they're just exacerbated because of all of these other pressure points and also of systemic failure of social policy at the, both the Northern Territory and the Commonwealth level, the policing uh, issue of there not being uh, that relationship there with the communities and the underlying uh, issue of disconnection and in, in many instances racism as well. So Sam, just final word to you. Obviously um, Peter Dutton um, jumped on this issue and has been uh, calling for action for a while uh, but also there was a conflation with, you know, this is, the, this is a real issue, this is why you don't need a voice. So both sort of sides have been trying to use this, right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, look, this is a very 
difficult area and if this was easy to fix, it would have been fixed a long time ago. And I accept the argument that, um, you know, the Indigenous community there needs to have a greater say and a greater ownership of whether it's um, patrols or, you know, the policing issue, all of that. But I would also say that alcohol is the problem in a lot of these cases. It is the cause. It's not just a symptom. Thank you to both of you. It's going to be a long and intense year. Thank you for putting um, the week's debates into context for us. Appreciate your time. Thanks very much. Samantha Maiden is the national political editor for news.com.au. She's usually um, on a Friday with David Spears, who's still off, but he will be back. And, of course, thank you to Dan Borsha, who's the ABC's voice to parliament and referendum correspondent. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.